Hi there. Uh, this is my third time recording this week's episode. It's Sunday. The first time I did it was Thursday. And something was wrong with the microphone. I don't know if I accidentally turned it off or if the battery died or what. So then I redid it yesterday. And the shirt is not substantial enough to make this work. Um, so there was a clicking because it kept, I guess, bouncing. I, that's the only thing that I could come up with. And instead of spending hours trying to figure out an editing software for the clicking, I am just going to spend however long it takes me to refilm um yeah and so what i'm gonna do is it's still like the same general idea we're just gonna tweak it a little bit so originally i had a few books and i was like oh i'm gonna try and read these uh so what happened was i went to the dollar tree again see that's my problem is i go to the dollar tree for specific things and then i look at the books and <laughs> these are the books that i have from the dollar tree that i i think i read the the neil patrick harris choose your own autobiography but i don't really remember it so other than that i have 14 books right now just from the dollar tree that i have not read Many of them from before it was a dollar twenty-five. So we're gonna talk about them real quick, and then I have a little picker wheel app. I'm gonna spin it and see which one I have to read, and then when I finish it, I will update you, and we'll just play the game all over again because I need to get through my physical books. I keep collecting physical books. I have an entire shelf that is just books about Judaism and approximately 97.5% of them are just from Temple in the past uh, like 10 months, if that. Um, so I need to read the physical books that I have and stop only listening to audiobooks. So this is, this is accountability. Uh, yeah. So, hey, hi, welcome to a podcast. And I guess this week's topic is reading. Uh, so uh before we get into the books we will put up the screenshot of the ai caption fail of the week uh this one is i was saying we know there's more than two genders and ai doubled down and said we know there's no we know there's i think it's we know there's more than two genders 
But AI doubled down and said, we know there's more than two agenders. So, hey, my fellow agenders, if you could just like, you know, pop off in the comments, let me know you're here. Um, leave your favorite agender vibe emoji because I don't use emojis properly, probably. Um, not a language I'm really good at. So, yeah, drop those. Let's let's have that going. Um, but our robot or overlords have said trans rights, um, agender rights. Uh, so, and yes, um, being agender is actually like part of the trans community. It's a whole big umbrella. And um, because I was assigned a gender at birth and I no longer identify with that gender, I have transitioned to something else. I'm transgender. That's how that works. Yeah, non-binary people, they also could fall under the, the transgender umbrella. Just just saying, like, it, it's an umbrella. Um, transgender means that you are you were one gender or you were assigned one gender and you have transitioned away from that in whatever meaningful way that is for you for some people it's simply social like i'm probably never going to be able to have any meaningful surgeries uh because i have va healthcare and <laughs> the one trans person i know uh who was able to get top surgery is like in his 60s and they weren't able to do a full mastectomy and they had to fight tooth and nail to just get a reduction he's in his 60s so i mean that's and that was only a few years ago like the i think the last time i saw him was actually i had to go to an appointment in person during the lockdowns of 2020 and i happened to see him so there's that um so just that's where we are that's that's where we are um yeah uh so socially is probably about all i'm gonna be able to do um i've been on hormones before but that's also really hard to get like going and because i have mental health issues it's even harder to get it because they like to say that there's all these other reasons that have nothing to do with dysphoria any reason for them to to deny a claim honestly <laughs> if you know you know so But at least when the robot overlords take over, they're going to respect my gender. All right. So books. I just, I just have the whole stack over here 
off screen but easily accessible so i'm just gonna grab them and start going okay this one is called the rule of mirrors i'll pop up a screenshot of the cover in case you're actually watching the video Boop. it's by i'm gonna guess that's kara m o'brien uh, the author of the Birthmarked trilogy. And this is actually book two in the Vault of Dreamers trilogy. So if this pops up on the uh, picker wheel, that means that I have to find the first one and read it first and then read this one. Yay. Okay. Um, so what's it about? Excuse me. At the remote, exclusive Chimera Center, families of coma patients come from all over the world seeking miracles. When Althea Flores wakes up from a six-month coma, her recovery defies the limits of hope and science, except she can't remember anything about her own life. Instead, she has all the memories of Rosie Sinclair, the missing Forge show star, and she's pregnant. Far from the Chimera Center in a secret vault, the sleeping body of Rosie Sinclair is captive to the doctors who mine her dreams. Heavily sedated, Rosie struggles to awaken and manipulate her keeper for a chance to escape. She knows what she'll do once she's free. Wreck vengeance on Dean Berg, the man who stole her dreams and turned her life into a nightmare. Told in alternating points of view between the girl who has Rosie's consciousness in a new pregnant body and the girl whose shattered subconscious rules Rosie's old body, the second installment of the Vault of Dreamers trilogy is an intricate, psychologically thrilling novel about layers of identity, what lies in the mirror, and the link between body and soul. I'm not gonna lie, it was a dollar, the cover art intrigued me, and also there's a character named Althea and I... I happen to be a big fan of the realm of the elderlings and Althea Vestret. She just has my heart in, in many ways. So all the things that I wish I could have done as a child, you know, yeah. Um, well, a lot of the things I wish I could have done as a child. I mean, I'm cool with like not marrying a ship's captain and having a baby and stuff. That part I don't care about, but like pretending to be a ship's boy so that you can take your family's ship back. It just anyway, if you don't know who Robin Hobb is, you should, you should look her up and look up the realm of the elderlings. But anyway, Althea is not a name that you hear very often. And so when I saw it in this one, that's why I grabbed this book because also it was a dollar. Next. Triumph from the creator of Guardians of the Galaxy. And it's spelled wrong. So here's, here's a copy of the cover. Uh, it's T-R-I-U-M-F-F, -F, Triumph. It's by Dan Abnett. Uh, Vivat Regina. It's the year 2010, and Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth the 30th sits upon the throne of the Anglo-Hispanic Empire. 
Fueled by alchemy and superstition, the Elizabethan era has endured unchallenged for almost 450 years. But now, a shadowy conspiracy threatens to bring it to a violent end. Unfortunately for roguish adventurer Sir Rupert Triumph, lately fallen from favor at court, he makes the perfect scapegoat. If Triumph is to uncover the plot, save the queen, and clear his name, he'll need all his wit, skill, and charm, and every tool in his magical Cateau Suisse, even the nail buffer. From the madcap mind of multi-million selling author Dan Abnett comes a furious maelstrom of incredible sword fights, wild invention, and truly awful puns. Um, hilariously, the the thing on it says cookbook ASTD, which I'm pretty sure that there's something about Dollar Tree in that, but it's filed under cookbook, like the that thing, the barcode says cookbook on it. I um also it says file under buckle your swash ebony serpent do you feel opportune as you like it so anyway uh if you know me this you know why you know why you know why i needed this in my life um it feels like it's gonna be as much fun as like gallivant um like it's it's like high fantasy, but make it cheeky. We don't take ourselves seriously in this house. La Casa de Ezra is all about the puns and the funds, okay? There's a reason I named myself Yitzhak. Okay, we gonna laugh. Next, The Quick <clears throat> by Lauren Owen. London, 1892. James Norbury, a young would-be poet, finds lodging with a charming aristocrat. Then, suddenly, he vanishes. Alarmed, his sheltered sister, Charlotte, sets out from her country home to find him. She soon uncovers the city's secret, supernatural netherworld, populated from the top to the dregs by terrifying creatures. But where is her missing brother? Um, honestly, I'm really not sure why I grabbed this one. Honestly, the, the cover art is, you know, vaguely, it's very like panning shots in the middle of a Doctor Who time travel episode, but like, eh. Why not? This is what happens when books are cheap. I buy them because I'm like, eh, why not? And then they sit on my shelves because I keep finding reasons to why not. Next. The Hawkweed Legacy by Irina Brignall. Uh, here's the cover art. I was completely absorbed in the sinister, complicated world of magic and witches. Madeline Rowe, number one best-selling author of Asylum. Um, this is also a second book, it looks like. Yep, it is a sequel to The Hawkweed Prophecy. Poppy Hooper doesn't want to be the queen of the witches. But some problems can't be left behind. 
Some love stories can't be forgotten. Some friendships won't be broken. And some enemies won't stay dead. The battle for the throne isn't over yet. Poppy has only just discovered her position and her power as Queen of the Covens. Tormented by the loss of her would-be lover Leo to her best friend Ember, and a past that's shadowed by secrets, she's left her dangerous world of witches and flown to Africa. But Poppy never stops longing for Leo, and when she feels his magic begin to spark, she will do anything to be reunited with him. Now as the girls come of age and Poppy's powers grow stronger, her mother, desperate for her daughter's return and forgiveness, sets into motion a plan that puts Poppy and Ember, the boy they love, and the world as they know it, at risk. Honestly, it just it, it felt like a, a pretty quick read. Um, apparently she is an acclaimed screenwriter, the author is, whose credits include The Box Trolls and The Little Prince. And she worked on Shakespeare in Love, I Capture the Castle, and Bravo 2-0, among other films. So. I mean. We, we doing the thing? I, I don't know. It, it just. I'm going to get a lot of. Mm, I can feel it. I can feel it. I'm glad this is like buried in in the video. I'm not a big romance person. I know. I know. I know. Mm, especially like YA romance and love triangles. And it's not it's not like the that I'm romantic that causes this it's that often it's just predictable and not in a fun way it's not it's it's not fun for me um yeah i know i know i'm sorry i'm sorry um but I figured like you know we gotta we gotta step out of our comfort zone and again it was a dollar but that's another one that if it comes up i'm gonna have to read the first one first so yay next <laughs> all right this one is called olivia decoded um oh no i think this is another one <gasps> i think this is another one that's a sequel oh no yeah okay <laughs> so this one's called olivia decoded by vivi barnes uh the bottom says love bites here's the cover art <sighs> This isn't my Jack, who once looked at me like I was his world. The guy who's occupied the better part of my mind for eight months. This is Z, criminal hacker with a twisted agenda and an arsenal full of anger. 
I've spent the past year trying to get my life on track. New school, new friends, new attitude. But old flames die hard, and one look at Jack, the hacker who enlisted me into his life and his hacking ring, stole my heart and then left me, and every memory, every moment, every feeling comes rushing back. But Jack's not the only one who's resurfaced in my life. If I can't break through Z's defenses and reach the old Jack, someone will get hurt. Or worse. Um, I'm pretty sure that I got this just because of the the fact that it said love bites and they spelled bites, you know, like B-Y-T-E-S. Did I mention this one was like only a dollar twenty-five? Anyway, um this one I think also here's the thing. Sometimes I buy books specifically because I want to hate read them. This might have been one of those. I might have been in a very... Anyway, I might have been in a very snarky attitude when I was, uh, when I was getting that one. But, um, it's, uh... <sighs> it's a sequel to Olivia Twisted. Um... So if that one comes up, that's that's going to be a twofer. Next, we have Nexus, N-E-X-I-S, a trickster's novel, which means it's not the first one, probably. Um, nope, this is part one. Nope, Nexus, a trickster's novel. Let's see if we have anything that has like other books that they wrote i'm not seeing other books so but these are all from this company entangled teen so they're all kind of like you know, I'm I'm pretty sure this is another book I got just because I wanted to like be snarky, but it's uh it's pretty hefty. Uh, in the doomed city of Evanescence, appearance is everything. A natural born, yeah, capital N, capital B, natural born among genetically altered aristocrats, also capitalized. All Ella ever wanted was to be like everyone else, augmented, sparkling, and perfect. Then, the crash. Devastated by her father's death and struggling with her new physical limitations, Ella is terrified to learn she is not just alone, but little more than a prisoner. Her only escape is to lose herself in Nexus, the hugely popular virtual reality game her father created. In Nexus, she meets Guster, a senior player who guides Ella through the strange and compelling new world she now inhabits. He offers Ella guidance, friendship, and something more. Something that allows her to forget about the real world and makes her feel whole again. But when their separate worlds collide, Ella will have to choose between love and survival. Because Nexus isn't quite the game everyone thinks it is. And it's been waiting for Ella. 
honestly, this feels like a cross between uh, Ready Player One and Uglies. So. It'll be interesting, to say the least, because I very much enjoyed Uglies. That whole series, I really like. That one, I really enjoyed that. And I've read it more than once. I've read the series more than once, and I have just really enjoyed it. Um, so... Yeah. So we're going to see uh, what happens. But you know what? At least it's a standalone book. <laughs> Yay. Next. Trickster Magic by Kirsten Riddle. Here's the cover art. Tap into the energy and power of these irresistible rascals. Manifest positive change. Overcome obstacles. Increase luck, love, and prosperity. When something goes wrong and everything appears chaotic, don't dwell on the situation or worry about the future. Take a look at it from the trickster point of view. Ask yourself, what can I learn from this? How would the trickster deal with this situation? What advice would the trickster give me now? Engage your imagination and explore situations in fun and creative ways with easy rituals and magical tips. Take a quiz to identify which type of trickster you need to work with in your life. Channel the energy of the trickster to change your luck. Um, it has Br'er Rabbit, Coyote, Hermes, Robin Hood, and Jack Sparrow. Uh, one of these things is not like the other. Uh-huh. I feel like Jack Sparrow is just a little too modern. To be... In this but overall this feels like it's just a a self-help book that uses magic and trickster iconography so we're gonna see what happens yeah cool it's very this one is just like very simple it's like a workbook so we'll see what happens i got it because it included jack sparrow and i'm just like how we're going to find out eventually. Um, next. <clears throat> the Hike by Drew Maggery. One day, a man named Ben decided to take a hike. He didn't plan on being out that long. He had a business meeting later that night and a family to return home to the next day. He didn't expect to get lost. He didn't expect to stumble upon a scene of unimaginable horror, forcing him to run down a deep and twisting path that would lead him into a world of man-eating giants, bizarre demons, and colossal insects. He didn't expect to find himself on a quest of epic life or death proportions, aided by a profane crustacean and a variety of magical objects, tools, and potions, forced to seek out a mysterious entity known as the producer along a trail that would test the depths of his stamina and his very soul. He didn't expect any of that. Uh, this, um, okay, so... <laughs> 
when I was like 14 or 15, I read Fear Nothing and Seize the Night by Dean Koontz. And um, I've, I've never really gotten into Dean Koontz, but these two, these two are like, whoa whoa the mix of like sci-fi but weird creepy magical but still sci-fi yeah but also like unnervingly realistic at times that's what the blurb made me feel like for the hike and that's why i grabbed it And apparently that author uh, is a chop champion, so. Anyway. <laughs> uh, next. I know, I found this at the dollar store, and you guys are going to be like, what? Yeah, I found it at the dollar store. Heck, where the bad kids go. Here's the cover art. Um, don't ask me how I do it. When Milton and Marlowe Foster die in a marshmallow bear explosion, they get sent straight to Heck, an otherworldly reform school. Milton can understand why his kleptomaniac sister is here, but Milton is, or was, a model citizen. Has a mistake been made? Not according to B. Elsa Bub, the principal of darkness. She personally sees to it that Heck is especially, well, heckish for the Fosters. But the principal just might have underrated Milton's smarts and Marlowe's nerve. Will the two find a way to escape? Or are they stuck here for all eternity? Or until they turn 18? Whichever comes first. Uh, yeah. I've heard a lot about it. Um, it's... It seems like a, a, a cute little, you know, a little something, something. It's by Dale E. Basie. It's B-A-S-Y-E. So. I mean, sometimes you just have to to get it because you're like, it's it's like I'd heard so much about it. So I got it. When opportunity presents itself. Yeah. Uh, the next one is called Confucius Jane. It's by Katie Lynch. I'm going to read it and um, we're going we're gonna to read the back here. And if you can't guess why by the time I finish it that I got this one, you might be on the wrong podcast let's start over on leave from college jane morrow has a new job helping out in her uncle's fortune cookie factory and a new roommate her precocious 11 year old cousin those surrounded by her loving family and their close-knit Chinatown community, Jane wonders if she will ever have the guts to move on with her life. 
When Jane meets medical student Sutton St. James at her local noodle shop, sparks fly. Sutton stands at a career crossroads. Surgical residency or stem cell research overseas? The first is what her father, former Surgeon General and America's doctor, has planned for her. But the latter might help find a cure for her mother's debilitating multiple sclerosis. Neither would make them comfortable with their daughter's sexuality. Sutton's only certainty is that she has no time for a relationship. Yet neither she nor Jane can deny the chemistry between them. Jane opens a whole new view of family to Sutton. A powerful counter to Sutton's cold, sterile upbringing. Sutton inspires Jane to be more ambitious and to dream again, and challenges her to have faith in herself. But can Sutton and Jane overcome a scandalous secret that threatens to force them apart? Yes, the answer is that it's queer. That's the answer. That's why I got it. That's it. That's why I got it. Cute cover art, though. You know. Very simple. And it, for once, makes sense. Because she actually works at a fortune cookie factory. So now there's a plane. Anyways, along the lines of, oh yeah, I didn't finish this at all. I did not finish this. Cool. So Neil Patrick Harris, choose your own autobiography. Um, here's the, the cover art. It was a dollar. Like, I, I've had this for a few years. I got it because it was a dollar. So, we're gonna... Hopefully it won't take me too long to get through it, but... I just have to finish it so I can take it and sell it at half-price books. And then we have the ones that I literally just got the other day. <laughs> After the first time I filmed, got these. And so when the second filming didn't turn out either, I was like, fine, we'll just, we'll do the thing. Uh, this one is called Era of Ignition, Coming of Age in a Time of Rage and Revolution by Amber Tamblin. Through her fierce op-eds and tireless work as one of the founders of the Time's Up organization, Amber Tamblin has emerged as an outspoken and respected advocate for women's rights. But she wasn't always so bold and self-possessed. In her late 20s, Amber experienced a crisis of character while trying to break out of the confines of the acting career she'd forged as a child in order to become the writer and director she dreamed of being as an adult. After a particularly low period, fueled by rejection and disillusionment, she grabbed hold of her own destiny and entered into what she calls an era of ignition, a time of self-reflection that follows in the wake of personal upheaval and leads to a call to action and a challenge to the status quo. In the process of undergoing this metaphysical metamorphosis, she realized that our country is going through an era of ignition of its own, and she has seized on this moment to agitate for change and initiate a dialogue about gender inequality. In this deeply personal exploration of modern feminism, she addresses misogyny and discrimination, trauma and the veiled complexities of consent, 
white feminism, and pay parity, reproductive rights, and sexual assault, all through the lens of her own experiences, as well as those of her sisters in solidarity. At once an intimate meditation and a public reckoning, Era of Ignition is a galvanizing feminist manifesto that is required reading for anyone attempting to understand the world we live in and help change it for the better. Um, yeah, so we're gonna check this out. Um, I definitely like the cover art. It's just very, like, no nonsense, which I, I appreciate given the subject matter. Okay. TV timeout. TV time in. Had to, had to talk to a cat real quick. Anyway, uh, so our second to last book is Beautiful on the Outside, a memoir by Adam Rapon. Former Olympic figure skater and self-professed America's sweetheart, Adam Rapon shares, shares his underdog journey from beautiful mess to outrageous success in this hilarious, big-hearted memoir. Your mom probably told you it's what's on the inside that counts. Well, then she was never a competitive figure skater. Olympic medalist Adam Rippon has been making it pretty for the judges, even when, just below the surface, everything was an absolute mess. From traveling, to practices on a Greyhound bus next to ex-convicts, to being so poor he could only afford to eat the free apples at his gym, Rippon got through the toughest times with a smile on his face, a glint in his eye, and a quip ready for anyone listening. Beautiful on the Outside looks at his journey from a homeschooled kid in Scranton, Pennsylvania, to beloved, medal-winning skater on the world stage, and all the disasters and self-delusions it took to get in there. Yeah, it may be what's on the inside that counts, but life is so much better when it's beautiful on the outside. I mean, yeah, I had to. I had to. So. Again, gay. It doesn't take much. And lastly, Off the Cliff. How the Making of Thelma and Louise Drove Hollywood to the Edge by Becky Aikman. In 1991, Thelma and Louise was a revelation, a film in which women were, in every sense, behind the wheel. But if the film's place in history now seems certain, its creation was a long shot. Before filmmaker Ridley Scott stars Gina Davis and Susan Sarandon, and a newcomer named Brad Pitt got involved. Thelma and Louise was just an idea in the head of Callie Corey, a 30-year-old music video production manager in a town dominated by men. But she had a vision. Two women on a crime spree. Two women on a crime spree, fleeing their dull and tedious lives, lives like hers, in search of freedom. Not only a behind-the-scenes look at the making of a feminist sensation, Off the Cliff is an inspiring and important story about creativity, the magic of cinema, and the obstacles that women in Hollywood continue to face to this day. So, again, 
are we are we surprised you shouldn't be like i yes yes so that's it we made it through the list you're still here oh my gosh great so that means that um you're ready for for the finale okay i'm gonna push the button i'm gonna show you real quick it's there um and spinning the wheel it's still spinning man it's taking a long time to spin and we are gonna start with the hike it's backwards i know but it's there it's the hike okay that's what we're starting with um i'm gonna put up the the picture of the cover art again um and i doubt that i will like be able to like sit and read it all in one sitting um because i have not been reading physical books very much so um but that's a decision has been made so uh, I will update you when I have an update. Uh, until then, <laughs> I hope that however you needed to spend Mother's Day uh, was good for your soul. And... Um, yeah, that's it. Do the engagement stuff. There's comments, there's likes, there's stuff. I'm gonna hopefully, hopefully get my life together. Um, I have, I have been requested to put this onto Apple podcasts, so that will happen soon, soon. I promise it will happen. Um, but I have one cat trying to tear a hole in a kitchen mat, and I have another cat whining for attention. So I am going to sign off here. Thank you. This has been a podcast. <laughs>